I go to lay down. And as soon as I close my eyes, I see the matrix. I see all I, like a binary code, like ones and zeros, ones and zeros. And I was like, I'm just tired. <laughs> just tired. Yeah. And then from there, I, I opened my eyes and my hand was like, uh, you ever seen a goofy movie? Um, I was literally, everything was the same color and the same animation as the goofy movie. Like I literally felt like I was in a cartoon and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> shit, here we go. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Nord's virtual private network hides your data in an encrypted tunnel so that you can be online without risking the integrity of your personal information. When you sign up for NordVPN, you can have your own personal IP address assigned to you that will conceal your real IP address. I'm not sure how this is allowed exactly, but it's a sweet deal. Did you ever get those emails, warnings when you were a kid about downloading content? I used to get them when I was 12 or 13, and they just terrified me to my core, which is why I use NordVPN. Securing your IP address can also help protect any payments or money transfers that you make online. You can also use NordVPN's dedicated IP address to keep hackers from infiltrating your devices other than your computer and phone, which is something I just learned can happen. Doorbell cameras, smart thermostats, and smart home systems can all be hacked by people who want to infiltrate your devices and steal your information. If you get Nord's dedicated IP address, not only will your information be protected on your phone and computer, but up to six of your devices can be secured through Nord's encrypted network tunnel simultaneously. NordVPN shields you against anyone who wants to exploit your online movement. So... Go grab your NordVPN deal today over at nordvpn.com slash TMPP. I hate that acronym. The Michaela Peterson Podcast, promo code TMPP for 61% off their premium plan and their free anti-malware feature. All with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dave Sparks, welcome to my podcast. Hi, Michaela. It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. How are you doing? Really well. Yeah, actually, um, I can honestly say never better. Wow. Okay. I yeah. feel like I feel the same way. That's you good. You look great. You actually Thank look really, you. really healthy. It's crazy to see your evolution of, you know, obviously you've come a long ways from when you were really sick and then your progress has been phenomenal. Thanks. When when did we talk? That was a, a Oh, it's ago. been probably almost two years. Yeah. Okay. So you, we spoke when I was like taking care of my dad and in a rough spot. Right. So yeah, I think you were overseas. You were somewhere. Um, yeah, you were definitely weren't in the country. When Serbia we got. or something. Yeah. You yeah. got married since. Yeah. Yeah. Think things are drastic, have drastically improved. So before, I mean, we're started, but for anyone who doesn't know who you are, can you give a brief background about who you are and what it is you do? Yeah. Uh, Basically, I'm a guy living the American dream. I, uh, I've started a few different businesses over the years, and every business that I've started has basically provided me with an opportunity. It started as a hobby, right? And they say, don't make your hobby your profession because you'll get tired of it. And that's one thing that hasn't happened to us. So basically, in a nutshell, because this is a really hard question to answer. People ask me this all the time. In fact, people ask my wife and my kids, and, and nobody really knows how to answer it. Um, I am in the... 
I'm an entertainer in the automotive world. Um, that's kind of where we got started. And uh, we had a TV show on Discovery Channel. Uh, we still do. I started filming in 2015. Uh, it's called Diesel Brothers. We are on season number eight or nine. I can't wow. remember. They all kind of blend together. So our new season comes out in October. And then we're also uh, YouTube content creators. We are um, search and rescue kind of professionals. We... we, um, we volunteer time and services to be able to go help find missing people, um, you know, extract large vehicles and equipment from dangerous situations. Wow, so that's crazy. Yeah. We do a little bit of everything, but basically everything we do, we just document and we film it and people love it. So uh, that's a very, very long answer to a short question, but uh, that's kind of what we do. So how did you go from, so your business was diesel sellers and you, you started that. How did that get transformed into a TV show? So it's interesting. We started the business back in 2012. And in 2012, Facebook didn't really have any rules or algorithms. or I mean, it was just kind of the Wild West out there. And if you posted something, it could go viral with no, you know, no rhyme or reason behind it. So we started this page about trucks because we originally... Um, bought and sold trucks. And we still do. That's one of my businesses. We have a truck dealership, but basically we would take the trucks that we were uh, buying uh, for resale and we would post videos of them because these were unique trucks, uh, unique vehicles. And we would put those videos on Facebook and the video started getting like hundreds of thousands of views like overnight. And so we realized that we were onto something. And so we took that and we built it into a community, a Facebook community, which was called like diesel trucks for sale or something. And I realized that that wasn't a very catchy business name. So we came up with the diesel sellers business name and that turned into less focus on the trucks and more focus on us as the guys that were driving them and showing them and, and doing these, these goofy things. And so we took that a step further and started creating YouTube content, which was like pranks with the trucks and uh, pretty much anything automotive related, uh, but not only automotive related. It was, it was automotive meets lifestyle. And we had a couple of videos that went uh, crazy viral and Jay Leno originally saw one of those videos and he called us and he's like, Hey, this prank is hilarious. I love it. I want to have That's you guys on weird. my show. Yeah, it was wild. So <laughs> he had us on the show on a segment uh, that he used to do called prank you very much. And the day after that uh, show aired, our phone just started ringing nonstop from different networks all over the place. And we really didn't want a TV show because we had heard all the horror stories about you know, these people, it's like the guy at the mall that gives you his card. Right. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to make you a model yeah, and make yeah, you yeah. famous. And we're like, nah, it's, we didn't, we didn't believe that that was something that could actually happen or, or on the other side of it, we didn't want to become the Kardashians. We didn't want to become these people that were, uh, you know, make being made look silly on TV until one day discovery, like one of the, the top producers called us because we've been blowing them off forever. And, uh, this guy says, Hey, I want you guys to know, did we were discovered like we're not some talent agency we're not we are discovery corporate and we're going to guarantee you guys eight shows in the season and all you have to do is just let us come film and so at that point i was like okay let's take a little more seriously they came out uh filmed a pilot loved us and we just started filming and it never stopped so that's that's kind of how that evolved and out of that tv show we've created a bunch of different spinoff uh both on YouTube, online, Facebook, and on TV, a bunch of different um, uh, series. And, you know, it was originally all based around the trucks, but my goal was to branch out of that just because trucks are cool and I love them, but 
I, that's like this much of my life. I, I do so many other things. And so that's kind of how the TV show was born. Uh, when it aired on TV sh- or on a discovery channel back in January, 2016, it was their number one new series premiered that had aired like in 50 years or something. It's some wow. crazy number. Yeah. So the show did really well. And they originally were hoping that the show would, you know, go into the automotive niche and, and, and kind of cater to those, 35 to 65 year old men who want to watch cars and trucks get fixed, but it quickly became a family show. It became a show that moms and dads and kids and basically everyone from the babies to the grandparents were watching together because it wasn't just about trucks. It was about us and our lives and our families and the stuff that we do and the goofy, you know, pranks and things like that. So it, uh, it became something that was never intended to be, but it became exactly what I would have hoped it, to, to become, uh, if that makes any sense, because, uh, like I said, just working on trucks and cars, it's, that's, that's, it's too little for me. I think bigger than that, I guess. Yeah. I can kind of understand the, <clears throat> like the concern about being niched into one area. Right. You, and, you, and the you, thing you about a niche trapped. is you need a niche to get started. And the trucks are kind of where that catalyst that got us out there and, you know, people started recognizing us. And then from there, it's just all just a matter of what you do with it and how you have you leverage that platform. And we've been uh, we've been fortunate enough to leverage it in ways that other automotive creators and and uh, you know TV show talent didn't do. Uh, yeah, they kind of got stuck. Yeah, there's actually something to that, right? You can get your one shot at kind of popularity, and then there are things you have to do to keep that going or to grow it, right? Otherwise, you can just fade away. Right. Exactly. So that's the that's the, the thing that I didn't want to have happen. See. I think so many people, and this is this is a this is a important point for kind of everybody right now. Anybody who's trying to become relevant or an influencer or, or anything like that, the harder you try to be relevant, the less successful you're going to be, um, because it's obvious, right? You see those people that are out there constantly doing things to try to get people's attention, and a lot of times they're doing things that aren't natural to them. Uh, they're doing things that they think people want to see, but if the camera wasn't rolling, they might not be doing that specific thing. And it's obvious they're acting. And so yeah, we, yeah. we're not actors. We're legitimately just guys with a lot of different interests and uh, we have the resources and the ambition and sometimes stupidity to pursue these things. And it's worked. People can tell that it's natural, it's authentic. And there's been times where we've kind of gone dark on both social media and TV because we weren't really doing anything that we felt we needed to share at that time. And I think that is where you see people able to step up to the next level because it's growth, right? You can't, like you were saying, if you get stuck in that same world for too long, you become stagnant, you become stale and you have two options, either just disappear and become completely irrelevant or try too hard and continue to try to like be front and center. And neither one of those were great options for us. And so we just decided to keep living and growing and doing new things. And when we found something that we were excited about, we turned the camera on and it worked. Fair enough. Um, okay, I, I have a question. So in 2012, when you when you started the shop, did you have any like outline for your life or have you kind of just gone with the flow, like becoming kind of famous? Was that random or were you striving towards that? So one thing about me is, I'm not a great planner. Um, and it's not that I don't have the ability to plan. It's, it's that I don't like to because 
I have a very dangerous uh, skill that I didn't really know that I had back then. And it's the ability to, like we were just talking, you know, before we got started to manifest things really quickly. And so if I think about something, if I think about it for more than five or 10 minutes, it's done. And it happens subconsciously. This thing, all these things come to me without me working towards them, without me saying, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. It's just, I want this. I want that thing so bad. And I, I, one thing I'm really good at is visualizing myself, having the things that I want. Um, And I didn't, you know, this has all become kind of mainstream now, right? You've got the, you've got the secret, the, the, the secret, the law of attraction, all these different things that yeah, yeah. people talk about. And I remember 2000, it was probably 2010, 2011, a friend of mine introduced me to the, the, the secret, right? That's like the, the kindergarten where everybody starts in the world of personal development. And I remember watching it and I was like, this is weird because this is what I do. I didn't know I had a name. I didn't know there was a process. I just pictured what I wanted. I would feel the emotion of when I would accomplish that goal, even though I was years away. Like I used to, here's a good example. I used to drive down the road in my car uh, or my truck. And I one day went and uh, did a demo flight in a helicopter and I became obsessed with helicopters. Well, I grew up, um, lower middle class, you know, my, my dad was sick all growing up. We didn't have a ton of money. And so a kid like me shouldn't have had ambitions or, or not necessarily ambitions, but shouldn't have thought that he was going to be able to own a helicopter anytime soon. But I went into a demo flight and fortunately after the demo flight, I mean, the, the place where I went was like, Hey, you should become a pilot, professional pilot, get you trained. And it was like 80 grand. And fortunately I couldn't afford it at the time. And I say, fortunately, because I would have hated to become a professional pilot. It wouldn't have been able to take all the fun out of it. So uh, anyways, I would drive up and down the road in my truck and I would pretend like I was driving or flying the helicopter after that experience because it was so cool to me. And I just wanted to like put my stuff in that mindset. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily intentional at the time saying, okay, if I do this, you know, two years from now, I'm going to have a helicopter. I just really enjoyed the thought of like, man, this feels like I'm flying a helicopter. Well, how would it feel if I actually had my own? Uh, 2016, I bought my first helicopter. Um, Helicopters aren't, you know, they're not cheap and they're not easy to, to get into that world. And this was, you know, five years after my first experience with one, I was able to go buy one. And since then I, that's all I do is helicopters. I love helicopters. I've got all sorts of different helicopters. In fact, I just bought a um, Blackhawk helicopter from the U S army. Whoa. Uh, one of the only privately owned, privately used Blackhawks in existence. I mean, they buy them and they fight fires with them, but I bought it to fly my family around. So that's that is just amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. So I, when I heard about vision boards, you know, you've heard this, uh, everybody talks about that. I was like, okay, that's something I should do. So I went to the internet and I pulled off a bunch of pictures of things that I loved or I wanted or I thought were cool. And I, you know, made a collage. This was back in 2011, 2012. Uh, and I, I ordered it from some company online and they sent me a big poster of it. And I hung it up and it was cool, but I didn't spend a ton of time like looking at it every day. It's just, those things were things that I wanted and somehow deep down inside, I knew that I could get, well, 2015, 2016, I looked at the vision board. It was like wrapped up in my closet. In fact, we were done filming with discovery one day and I was cleaning out my uh, office closet and I came across my whole vision board, which had since been rolled up and tucked away. And I was like, I should look at that. Pulled it up every single item on that board. Oh, that's I'd already accomplished is wild. So to answer your question, I don't, 
<laughs> look too far into the future because it's dangerous for me. Um, if I think about wanting to own something, I'm going that direction, whether I like it or not. So I have to be careful now, now that I understand the power that I have and the, the way that my, my subconscious works, I have to be very careful with the things that I put right there, because if I'm going for something over here, but I put this right here and something that I really want, and I'm feeling the emotions of, of accomplishing that goal. You better believe I'm going that direction and it might sidetrack me from going this way. So, yeah. uh, Oh, I like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I like that. That would have sounded way out there to me. Uh, it, probably a while ago now, probably more like, like eight years ago, Right. but I've had similar strange experiences now, nothing to the degree of like helicopter, yeah. but, um, I had, and my dad was always very set on goal setting, right? Like write out what you want and then aim towards it and you'll get there. Right. But I always thought that was because when you think about something, then subconsciously you work towards it, whether or not you're thinking about it. Right. And right. that could be part of it. But I, I did have an experience um, right before dad got really sick. I wrote out, I was like, what do I want? I've got some opportunity here. I didn't have very much money, but I was like, I'll, I'll work really hard. What, what do I want? And I wrote like 12 things about what I wanted and then put my journal away. And then dad got really sick. And I didn't look at that journal for another year and a half. And I really had spent most of my time taking care of my dad. So I hadn't been focusing on work at all, really. But I had accomplished all the things I'd written down in the journal, right? Wow. And I was like, oh, that's really strange, right? Because I, it wasn't something I looked at every day. It was something yeah. that I'd thought of like once. I was like, no, I really want these, but uh, I don't really have time right now because I was taking care of dad. Um, there's definitely like, I don't exactly know how reality works, but it's definitely strange, right? So I see what it's, you're saying. The thing is, it's not it's not reality because reality is, is what most people grow up thinking. You got to set goals and you got to work towards them. And, you know, you're slowly checking things off that list. Um, you know, the, the real reality of, of how things work and how people that are ambitious and have the ability to manifest things that all happens. Like I said, subconsciously it happens without us knowing it, but it's deep down inside of us. I think it, I think it boils down to emotions. Um, if you can feel something you can have it, even if you don't have it. And this is, that's a, it's a pretty elementary concept, but if you really dig into it, uh, you know, take for example, anxiety. There's a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and fear and, you know, you know, borderline depression, even if they're not clinically diagnosed. Well, one day when I was talking to a friend who had, you know, he was talking to me about some anxiety that he had and, and some issues, I was hearing him out. And after the conversation, I said, listen, this may sound crazy and, you know, no offense, but your anxiety sounds a lot like excitement to me because the emotion is kind of the same if you think about it. If you're excited about something, you get those butterflies, you get like your heart rate, you know, uh, increases and you get kind of in a go mode. Well, anxiety does the same type of thing physiologically to you. You know, your heart rate increases, but the problem is it's it's how you're framing it. So I learned, uh, I just kind of learned this on my own and later on confirmed through, you know, different uh, teachings that anxiety and excitement can be the same thing. It just depends on how you frame it in your mind and what you turn that thought and that, that feeling into. So if I was ever feeling anxious, I can take that uh, anxiety and I can turn it into excitement for one of my goals. It's just a matter of what I'm thinking about. If I'm anxious mm -hmm. about, you know, in the early days of our business, making payroll and being concerned, I could turn that anxiety into 
an excitement for when we got, you know, paid on a big deal or whatever it was. And it was a small shift, but instantly my day would become better. And I would just not allow those negative thoughts that were attached to that emotion to be there. Instead, I would just move a positive thought over to the same emotion, the same feeling, and boom, everything just got better, easier, wow. and less resistance. I think that's ultimately what it boils down to is if you focus on resistance, you're going to run into a hell of a lot of resistance. It's just, that's just the way it goes. It, you know, it's so funny. It's, and people think that this is a, people think sometimes that these concepts are voodoo or a little bit out there. And uh, I disagree completely because have you ever, like we were talking with, with the queen, you were literally just yesterday thinking about that. Now, does that mean that you put the queen in the hospital? No, but that means that there was <laughs> some sort of very energy, unpopular, <laughs> some sort of wavelength that connected there for you. And you kind of felt or knew or thought of something before it even happened, because, you know, whatever happened to her was going to happen a long time ago. You just caught, you caught a hold like of that energy, of that, that wavelength. Yeah. yeah, I think that wavelength, that yeah. energy, that frequency, you caught a hold of it. I really think that's the absolute truth. And it's no different than a radio in your car. When you change the channel, you're catching different frequencies, which are different songs. Well, that's something that a man invented, right? Or, or you know, people created a radio and that's something that's primitive and simple. Imagine the things that we can't see and that we don't understand. They're out there. I think we're just giant antennas, basically. Well, once I learned that, everything changed. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. This episode of the podcast was sponsored by Paleo Valley's Beef Sticks. Fantastic sponsor. If you want to lose weight, be hotter, eat beef sticks instead of junk. Tastes better. It's more filling. It doesn't fill you up but keep you hungry. It just fills you up. Who doesn't want beef sticks? Nobody's sane anyway. Paleo Valley is my go-to company for my kid for beef sticks. Paleo Valley's beef sticks are made from 100% grass-fed and finished beef. They have very limited ingredients. Other than that, not only are their cows grass-fed, but the spices they use to flavor their beef sticks are also 100% organic and is all produced right here in the U.S. Paleo Valley also puts their beef sticks through a natural fermentation process, which like other fermented foods is very good for your microbiome. Each of these factors help make Paleo Valley beef sticks the cleanest, most gut-friendly beef sticks on the market and a snack you can eat that will fill you up, won't make you crash, and is healthy. Head over to paleovalley.com to check out their beef sticks today. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com for 100% grass-fed beef sticks and an excellent snack. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Okay, this is this is side note. Have you done psychedelics before? So I have done ayahuasca. Um, I did it once. I uh, had a group of friends that uh, was kind of way into it. And I watched a couple of friends change drastically. They, um, you know, they went from having lots of emotional issues and they started getting better. And I noticed it and I called them, you know, called them out and said, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? What's different? And they told me about their ayahuasca journey. And, uh, I thought it was super fascinating. Um, I'm the type of guy that I don't, like I told you, I don't dwell on negative things. And so if I think back, a lot of people do ayahuasca to deal with past trauma or things that are inside of them that they feel are agitated. Yeah. I don't really feel like I have a lot of that stuff, but that's probably because I don't ever think about it. So I knew that deep down inside, there was probably things inside of me that I just wasn't giving any, 
you know, attention to. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's dig into this and see, you know, what happens. And ayahuasca is, uh, yeah, have you ever done it? No, I've done, I've done like heroic doses of shrooms multiple times, but I haven't done ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is different than shrooms in the sense that it's more of a, you, it, there's definitely a psychedelic component to it, but it's more of a, a, a DMT release where you're, you're able to basically remove yourself from yourself and take a look. It's like a surgeon, you know, coming into the hospital, taking a look at his patient and saying, here's the problem. There's the problem. Boom. Let's go in there. And uh, so we did the ceremony. Typically when you do a ceremony of ayahuasca, they have everybody sit around with a, a shaman and he plays the drum and sings and everybody's just kind of hanging out. It's very hippie, you know, feeling the way that we did it anyways. Um, and they make it, like I said, a ceremony. It's not like I would ever, or an individual would ever go by themselves and drink ayahuasca. That's not the, usually the way it's done. I'm sure people do it that way, but in order to have a good experience, you got to have the control to set in the setting, right? So we do it and they're passing the cup around and it's terrible. It is the most disgusting thing. I, I don't like bitter anything, bitter, like even olives are too bitter for me. I don't, I don't do bitter. Um, and it's oh, super bitter. Funny. It's super bitter. So it's, it's, you know, it's a poison. Nah, I don't want to say it's a poison, but it's, it's, it basically is poison to your body and it makes your body want to, you know, um, you know, vomit and, and get rid of whatever's inside of you. Yeah. So the past cup around, drink the first cup, nothing. Looking around the room, people are kind of starting to daze off a little bit after the first cup. Okay, second cup comes around, boom, nothing. So me and my partner, Diesel Dave, who you met on the last podcast with, that we did with you, he's a big bearded guy. He's sitting across the room for me. I'm sitting next to my wife and uh, cup comes around again, third time. And at this point, everybody's just like in la la land. Like yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. having their own journey. And he and I are looking at each other like, you feel anything? No, you? No. So we're sitting there oh, completely no. like unfazed because we're bigger guys. I'm 240 pounds. And, you know, we were told that it hits everybody differently. So after the third uh, cup, I was like, this is dumb. It hit. We were like four hours into the ceremony. I was like, I'm going to bed. So I go upstairs. Uh, we were at a, at a cabin and I go to my room and the shaman's like, no, no, you can't. Don't do it. And I was just like, dude, like this isn't working. Let me, let me be. I'm just, let me go, go to bed. I go to lay down. And as soon as I close my eyes, I see the matrix. I see all I, like a binary code, like ones and zeros, ones and zeros. And I was like, I'm just tired. And <laughs> just tired. Yeah. And then from there, I, I opened my eyes and my hand was like, uh, you ever seen a goofy movie? Um, I was literally, everything was the same color and the same animation as the goofy movie. Like I literally felt like I was in a cartoon and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> shit. <here we> go. <laughs> um, and so I didn't fight it. Uh, I knew that it was happening and I just sat back and said, all right, let's, let's do this because I was told kind of what to expect and kind of how to handle it. And I didn't want to try to steer this journey, right? I didn't yeah. want to go in there and say, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Because I went in there just knowing that if something needed to come out, it would come out and I would deal with it. And literally it just took me on a kind of a, a wild 10,000 foot view of my life starting when I was a kid. And it just started bringing up wow. weird little childhood memories that I didn't really re even know that I remembered. And grown up Dave saw those memories like, oh, that's that's a concern. Like that's that's a, that was a trauma. That was an issue. That was something that stuck with you. That's not an issue. And I was able to go stamp, 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 and just basically go one traumatic memory at a time and say, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And the, the one that stood out the most to me 
was my mom dropping me off for the first, well, pretty much the whole first year of kindergarten. Like I hated that. For some reason, I just felt abandoned. I like I was total mom's boy. I was the youngest. And apparently that was something that really, really stuck with me. And it caused me to act certain ways, even as I got older, um, as a fear of abandonment. So I was able to take a look at that and say, hey, like little Dave, you're okay. Like your mom still loved you. She was, she picked you up from school. Everything was okay. Everything worked out. You didn't understand it then, but you understand it now. So that's, that's why I think ayahuasca is so cool because rather than just seeing shapes and colors, and I did see shapes and colors, but you also, it had a purpose. I was able to go in there and do some actual work on myself that I didn't know needed to be done. So that was my uh, psychedelic experience. Um, and it was everybody, you know, people who do ayahuasca typically do it multiple times because they love to be able to go in there. After I was done, I knew that I was done. I knew that I didn't need to do it again because that's just the confirmation that I got. But I'll tell you this, the days and weeks after doing ayahuasca is some of the, my like, like 2020 vision. It is the most crystal clear you'll ever see and feel and think. So that was, that was pretty much it. Do you have advice for say men in their early twenties? Yes. Um, the world is a way different place now than when I was in my twenties. Um, it's interesting because a, a really good example of this is when I was in my early twenties, NASCAR was still like huge, like the, the, one of the highest paid, biggest money, you know, sports out there. Um, you know, 10, 15 years later, NASCAR is all but dead. I mean, the, the audience isn't there. And so that's the reason I bring up that example is because something as big and as, as, um, eclectic and exciting as you know being a nascar fan can change and it can go away and so you have to realize that the world is not the same place that it was when your brother was in his 20s or your dad was in his 20s and so for me it is the best thing that you can do and it's really hard sometimes is reach out and find opportunities to help the other people around you accomplish what they want. And that, that, that sounds kind of generic, but I'll dive in a little bit deeper. It's if you have friends or family or coworkers, start to ask questions about what they're working towards and what they want. Because if you start lifting up the people that you're around, even, and I don't mean like, it doesn't have to be big grand things, but learning and caring. Um, I think empathy is something that, is kind of very rare these days, um, simply because there's a lot of you know division in our cultures, and whether just whether it be in the U.S. or other countries, there's a lot of division, and people are being taught that if if you don't see or act the see the way in the world the way that I do or act the way that I do, that's bad, and you're mm -hmm. part of that tribe, and it's it's like a bunch of tribal warfare, so learn what other people are working towards and help them accomplish those goals and understand that if you have the tribal mentality of this is my lane and that's your lane and you're different than me and mine mine is better because this 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 that that is very toxic thinking and uh one way to kind of cure that is and this is what i did because we're members of the church of jesus christ aka the mormons um when we were 19 
we get sent to other countries to go uh, act as missionaries. So when I was 19, I got sent down to uh, the Amazon rainforest in Bolivia, in Brazil. And wow. I lived in a mud shack and wow. I learned, I learned the value of, you know, a plate of rice and beans. And I learned that in most other countries, they eat the bones and the chicken and they, they don't waste anything. So immerse yourself in cultures that are completely different than yours. I like that. I think that is the number one thing that somebody could do as a young person without family and responsibility. Go put yourself, you know, be a foreign exchange student, go, go work abroad, whatever you can do, because that will open your eyes to humanity. It'll, it'll help you better understand why it's so important to, to realize that you're not just like your lane isn't the only correct one and your tribe isn't the only correct one go just literally dive as deep as you can into it because everybody i've ever met and known that's done that is a better person for it and they have better people skills and they have a better understanding of how and why things happen and it's uh it's hard because in this day and age we get what we consume so we get more and more of what we consume based off of what the algorithm wants to give us everybody has social media right yeah. and if, if i like dogs and i click on a dog it's going to give me more dogs and so if i am clicking on things that are negative or not healthy for me it's going to continue to serve more and more of that yeah. which is why i stay away from um party politics it's it's the most like if you think about it it is the most primitive caveman thing in the entire world. Like the way that the, the Republicans and the Democrats talk about each other, it is wild. And we're sitting here putting up with it. So I think a lot of that type of thinking would go away if, if people would just get out there and experience like yeah. what your life is like. You know what I mean? So that's my best advice. It's, it's get out there and serve help other people because everything else just falls into place that's what i did i'm not a smart guy i'm not a, i'm not a super talented guy i'm not a guy with a ton of training i just put myself out there and i wanted to figure out how to help other people whether it was being a missionary and you know teaching about the gospel or going out and you know helping with flood relief in in texas and new orleans if you do that i'm telling you you can be the dumbest least talented person in the room and you'll probably be the most successful that is, I really like that. Yeah, it worked for me. I, that's my that's my story. I I really I really agree with that too. I think it's like, I thought I was, I like I'm a pretty open person, and I was like I'm pretty open, right? And I'm not very conservative. So, but when I traveled and went to cultures that were like vastly different, and I mean like not like going to different places in the U.S. or to like London or something. I mean like going to Eastern Europe or something. Yeah. Um, I was, I was like blown away at how different cultures are. Like it, it, it shocked me. And I was like 26 at that point. So it's not like I was 20 and like my eyes opened. I was just like, oh, people are a lot more different than I thought they could be from each other. And it doesn't mean that one way is right. No, it means, it means that every way has its beauties. Every, every culture has so many beautiful things about it. So why would we it's it go, again it goes back to that caveman mentality why would we sit in our own little circle and hyper focus on the things that we don't like about other people when instead 
we could expand our thinking and go focus on the beautiful things about other people. It's, it's literally the exact same amount of effort, if not easier to focus on the beautiful things. And you become such a happier person. You become somebody that people want to be around. Think about this. If for any of your listeners, if you're having struggles in your social life, if you're having strife and arguments and constant, you know, feel like you're always running into a wall, Think about what you're focusing on in, you know, a bunch of different areas. Okay. Take, uh, take sports, take politics, take your hobby, take your neighborhood, take work, take all those different things and think about what you think about most. Okay. If you're thinking about work and you, you are always constantly thinking about how bad you hate that job and you can't wait to get a new job. Well, it's easy to take that and flip it and, and, and think about how awesome your new job could be and how what you're doing now is going to be just a step to, t- to get you there. It's These are small I, moments of reframing yeah. the way that you view. Hey, okay, okay. I've got a, I've got a comment on that. Um, uh, I think I was working on an app for a while that I decided not to release because um, I'm working on something else. But what the app did is it helped you identify Uh, areas in your life so like your relationship your career your health and then it helped it it measured how happy you were on each of those scales so like maybe you score a three on your relationship because you're not happy with your relationship so you identify where the problems are in your life and then you take that problem and you figure out the steps you need to take in order to solve that problem so rather than thinking of the problem as some sort of thing that's going to be stuck with you forever, that's going to make your life fail. You just reframe it and turn it into, oh, well, that's what I should be working towards solving. And it turns it into kind of more, like a more positive problem than just this thing that's weighing you down. Um, And I think part of the way I got out of having the autoimmune disorder was I was like, okay, well, I'm stuck with this. Like, this is me. I'm stuck with it. And it was ruining my life, like every aspect of my life. And so I decided to figure out you know, do whatever I needed to do to fix it, right? But anyway, thank goodness it worked. So there's a, there's a simple way to do that. And that's exactly what I'm trying to, what, I'm, what you're saying to me right now is exactly what people need to do and exactly what I started doing. And the, the very most basic, simple way to do that is to do this. Wake up, start your day. As soon as something hits you uh, that creates, for me, it's dread. Dread is my most, Dread and frustration are my two most powerful emotions that cause me to do stupid things. And they, and they, they literally, I feel like when I feel those two things, I'm in a cement box and I can't move and I can't make any progress. Catalog those emotions or those feelings or those triggers. If, if going down the road from, here's one actually that I, that I cataloged. Um, I learned this from a, from a hypnotist. Um, and not like the guy at the carnival, but like an actual like therapeutic hypnotist that, that does um, hypnosis on people for that's cool uh, to help overcome things. And he said, look, just just grab a hold of whatever that that negative thing is throughout the day. Uh, and for me, the first thing I noticed was a pothole on the on the road down from my house. I would hit it every single day, and it would just instantly like there'd be a rattle and a shake in my truck, and it would just piss me off. And I would let it piss me off, and and I didn't realize that I was letting it piss me off. He says, take those things all those triggers throughout the day, look at them, grab them, acknowledge them, and then put them on a shelf behind you. Doesn't mean that you're, doesn't mean that you're erasing them or, or ignoring them or, but it also doesn't mean that you're giving them a ton of time and attention. Take it, acknowledge it, recognize it, 
make a mental note of it and put it on a shelf. Throughout the day, grab those little things that, that you're catching yourself feeling, whether, like I said, they're negative emotions or um, negative things that you're thinking or seeing, and just put them on a shelf. And at the end of the day, you'll, you'll be able to look back and you'll realize that the shelf isn't nearly as full as you thought it was, especially if you're in a really bad place. If you're in a really bad uh, mindset, you're going to think that your shelf is going to be chuck full of, of all sorts of different things. It's not. My, I had like four items on my shelf that really were things that were just triggering me. And I thought that the, I, I thought if you would have asked me back then, I would have said, I got a hundred things that are bothering me. I didn't. It's usually the same thing over and over again, just presenting itself in different forms. So um, I think a very powerful exercise is to recognize it, acknowledge it, um, because if you try to bury it, we all know what happens. It's just going to, you know, come back out even stronger and, and nastier. But if you acknowledge it and give it a little bit of time and say, you're right, that is, that is something that's affecting me. And then you set it aside to be able to, to then work through, it is, it is one of the most powerful things I've ever done. Um, and so it, it goes right back to what you were saying is it's where we're looking is where we're going right? If you're driving your car and you're looking down the road, you're going to go down the road. But if you're looking over, you know, in a field, you'll start to drift off. If you're looking down at your phone, you'll start to drift. And it, it's, it's, it's so simple. And that sounds way too simple, but I promise you that is the way it works. What you're looking at, whether it be physically with your eyes or mentally with your emotions and thoughts, that's where you're going. So just be aware of what those things are. What you think about is what you become. That's where you end up. I like that. Okay, Dave, if people are not familiar with you, where should they go online to find you? So YouTube is where we're doing a lot of our uh, most relevant content right now. I have a Instagram at Heavy D Sparks, um, Facebook uh, page, it's called Heavy D. Both those pages are verified. They've got like three to 4 million followers on each of them. So you'll be able to know which one they are. Um, but YouTube is, is the really fun one for me right now. And that's one where you'll be able to get a better idea of what I say when I say that I'm not a, just a truck guy. Like, you know, one day we're looking for the body of a missing person and the next day we're finding the body of a missing person. And the next day we're, we're jumping monster trucks. It's just a, it's a smorgasbord of, of our life. And, and the best part about it is we became one of the fastest growing YouTube channels in the world. Uh, when we started posting back in end of 2020, um, you know, we're growing every month. It's anywhere between a hundred to 200,000 new subscribers. Wow. Um, and it's because we're creating content for everybody. You know, the crime junkie moms that stay home and listen to murder podcasts all day, all the way to the, the gearheads, to the old guys that wish they were gold miners. We, we, we do it all. And, and it's not forced. It's not me looking for like, Hey, how can I talk to this group? How can I talk to that group? It's me saying, Oh, wow, that gold mine's really cool. I want to go explore it. Next thing you know, boom, it's blowing up. So definitely check out the YouTube channel, Heavy D Sparks. There's stuff on there for literally everyone. And and uh, you may not believe me, but once you go to the channel, even you, Michaela, I think you would go there and you would be like, wow, this is, I had no idea that I was interested in, you know, this missing person or whatever it is or, or the exploration of an old mine. Um, and one thing I'm really proud of is the cinematography. I've got an incredible media team and every single video that we make, whether it's just a dumb stunt or something very meaningful feels like a miniature movie. And um, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, so that's something we're really proud of. And we're, we're continuing to get into that. We're getting ready to do some uh, mini docu series 
on some some really twisted stuff that's that's happened uh with missing people and stuff that we were aware of stuff that you would see like on netflix but we're just going to do it for free and put it on youtube because it's, yeah. it's good practice for us and and uh, we want to continue to sharpen that axe and get really really good so long story short i think i went from being you know a tv automotive entertainer entertainer to i want to be a storyteller i want to be able to tell stories and you're, it you're good at it thank you this I, has been very entertaining you're yeah, good at it it's one thing that i'm really trying to focus on because it's something that i enjoy and if i enjoy it other people can enjoy it because they'll feel my energy and my passion just like you i love listening to your podcast especially you know the, the some of the episodes you've done with your dad because you can feel that there's just this like excitement in the room because you love what you're doing you guys absolutely are passionate about it and i think that's that's you know final piece of advice for anybody listening is if if what you're doing isn't working think about do you enjoy it yeah are you, are you are you having fun doing it does it get you excited does it keep you up at night if it doesn't you know maybe it's time for a change maybe not maybe maybe you do need to stick with that and grind through whatever you're working on but uh the more excited you are about something the more excited everybody else is going to be about it as well so that's 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 what works for me yeah, I like that. And people can stick it in too. Like if you can't, you can't just necessarily quit your job and focus on your hobby, but you could maybe focus on your hobby for half an hour a day or exactly. like 45 minutes a day and just see where it goes when you start paying attention to it. Okay. That brings me to one thing that I got to mention because you do have, what's your audience? Your audience is? Um, like 25 to 35 year olds mainly, but then it kind of goes out from there and on YouTube, 70% men. Okay. So it's male heavy. Yeah. So this is good. This, these are my people. These are the guys that I talk to all the time. Um, and this is something that bothers me like crazy in, in today's culture, you hear a lot about side hustles. You got to have a side hustle. You got to yeah. have two or three side hustles. I disagree with that. There's nothing wrong with the side hustle. If it works for your current lifestyle and what you're doing and, and what's going on. But I think so many people, and I, I, I say this because I employ a lot of people and I've had a lot of people work for me and I see them all start their side hustles. And the majority of those people that start their side hustles end up lacking here. Like there could be somebody that I was getting yeah. ready to move up to a great position with you know a huge raise. And I see them start a side hustle. And within three to six months, they are usually gone. They're, new, they're no longer working for me. So just know that you don't have to have a side hustle. Your side hustle instead could be converted into doing your job better because you don't know what's around the corner. If you if you have a job where you know, or even if you don't know that there's room for advance, advancement, just know that take that energy because it's there, right? The side hustle energy. And, and if you have a great idea for a side hustle and you think that's what you want to do and, and go, do it. But if you don't, or if you're not sure, in the meantime, take that energy and Put it into what you're doing. Do what you're doing the very best and don't do it half-assed. And all of a sudden, yeah. things are going to start to come to you and happen that you would have never expected. I've had guys in my organization, a few of them that instead of taking the side hustle route, they they, they dug their heels in and, and worked harder for me. And those guys are in significantly better positions now and they're getting paid more than double what they were getting paid uh, you know, back then. So it's... Uh, it, <laughs> it's very valuable to be to create value for somebody in a business yeah. and and just know that you don't not everybody's an entrepreneur 
there's, there's intrapreneurs, there's people that can work within a business and be way more valuable in that business than they would be able to be on their own. So that's a, that's what's something that guys need to hear because there's almost like a shame. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I'm glad you brought that up now. Like, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's true. And also a lot of side hustles, hustles are just a waste of time in general. So you have to be like specific about what you're, what you're working on. Um, but I think one of the ways that people can become more valuable is to figure out where an, a problem is. Like if you're working for, this is what I did working for my dad. And then I managed to like, I managed to grow that business soon massively. Right. And all I really did was I saw a problem and I was like, okay, I'll fix that. I'll do that. Like I can do that. Oh, Hey, this is annoying you. I'll take that over. Yeah. Or you're working on this. I can do that for you. And then when I've hired people, cause there are a bunch of people working under me now, the people who are really valuable are people who say, oh, there's a problem. I'll, I'll handle that. And I'm like, fantastic. Now I don't have to do it. And you and don't have that's to be exactly, smart or educated. You just have to spot problems that people exactly. are having and say, I'll take that away from you. Yeah. Rather and than that focusing works. on them. Yeah. Yeah. You become somebody who can say that's something that I can take on. I can handle it. That's, that's like I said, the guys, my, my most valuable guys are the people that found the dumb things, the stupid little things that I would trip over and they made them yeah. go away. And yeah. those guys are going to have, I'm always going to take care of those people. And to be honest with you, I'll probably be able to take care of some of those guys significantly better than they would be able to take care of themselves on their own. That makes sense. Yeah. So Cool. Okay, Dave, it was nice talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Good talk with you. 